0: Hi, it's Jill Schlesinger, and on this episode of Better Off, we're talking hot housing. We've got our guest, Stephen Gasquay. He's going to help you learn how to buy and sell a property.
1: If you want to become a real estate investor, one of the best ways to do it is to buy your next house, but rent out the one you're in now, because talk about understanding your investment. You know everything about that house, from the utility bills to you know, what that knock is in the radiator in the middle of the night. And so that is one of the safest and most conventional ways to invest. And before you know it, you might have three or four.
0: Welcome to the Better Off podcast sponsored by Betterment, the largest independent online financial advisor. Okay, the most important life changing decision that you may be about to make could really be around housing. The housing market has been completely insane over the last decade let's go back housing boom prices literally doubled everyone went bananas some flipped homes. some people borrowed too much some people bought more than they could afford all of that and they got stuck and then we had a housing crisis and that was a nasty crisis and it was horrible now we are seeing a very different kind of market prices are up inventories are down no it's not crazy it's not the crazy days of 2004 five but i would say things are a little bit frenzied a recent article in the new york times talking about california having a, a severe housing shortage that is why i brought in a guest an expert to talk about it stephen gasquay he's the host of real estate today that's a weekly radio program presented by the national association of realtors so without further ado here's my interview with stephen
1: You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger.
0: Okay, are you getting ready for your summer house search? Are you thinking about listing your own home? Are you ready to plunge into real estate? Our special guest today, Stephen Gaskway. He's my pal and the host of Real Estate Today, the official radio show of the National Association of Realtors.
1: Hi, Jill. I'm delighted to be with you today.
0: It's so great. So... Okay, let's let's do a back up a little bit. Uh The market right now feels um, almost frenzied in many parts of the country, the real estate market. And there's just, you know, there's just not a lot of houses for sale. What are you hearing about kind of the, the state of where things stand? Because maybe I'm in this weird place where, you know, the parts of the country where I'm hearing from people, it seems like, oh, my God, I can't find a house. Are you finding that as well?
1: In most of the markets, that's exactly what's happening. And you're right. It's a frenzied market right now, and the buyers are facing what you might consider to be a triple threat against them. They really have a tough job because, as you said, there aren't enough homes for sale. And that's causing rising prices. Hmm. And all of that is resulting in competition. So the days when you could go and look at a house and take a few photos and then go back and talk about it over dinner, call your dad, call your mom, call your friends, sleep on it, by the next day, it's gone. Mm. you got to move. You've got to really move. It's also frenzied for the sellers because they're finding faster transactions than they're used to. They put the for sale sign out front, and before you know it, they have six offers on their house. So their job is evaluating which offer is the best and which one can go the distance all the way to the closing table. And so sellers also are finding a little difference in today's market because they really have to fix up their homes. The generation of homebuyers now have been watching TV shows about real estate their whole life. Right. That's what they want when they walk in the front door. They do not want a fixer-upper. So, in all of this, though, there is an oasis of happiness and calm.
0: Yeah, where is that?
1: Homeowners. People who aren't making any moves at all. Right. They have the benefit of seeing their values rise. Their equity is rising. They're in a much safer and secure place. And they're just becoming wealthier with every passing year because of real estate properties. Yeah, but
0: they're not, like, cashing in. So, who cares? I mean, isn't it paper wealth?
1: It is paper wealth, but, you know, paper wealth that's moving up is way better than paper wealth wealth that's moving down. Good point.
0: Good point. Uh, Let me me, uh, go back for a second because I want to start by, you know, what we like to do when we begin the podcast is we like to ask our guest a question. And you're getting – I'm going to customize the question for you because usually I say – What's the best money decision you've ever made? But for you, what is the best real estate decision you've ever made?
1: To buy everything I can. Really? Honestly. Now, sometimes it comes back to bite me because I bought some investment condominiums just before the downturn, and so that hurt. But overall, every experience has been positive for me. And right now, I have several properties, and they are appreciating in value. And I have to think of it in the long term. I'm not a flipper. Mm -hmm. I'm someone who owns properties for decades. And buying as much as you can, I think, is a great idea in the long run. You know, markets go up and down, but in the long run. The other thing that I think would be, I've done this myself, and I think it's just a great, great idea, is to stick close to home, find a little place that you can comfortably afford, and just buy it and rent it out.
0: So you like being a landlord, because I find that idea horrifying, I have to say. It really is like uh, the last thing I would ever want is to deal with someone else's pipes freezing. (laughs) Seriously. I just think that's like, it's like daunting to me. But I get that there's, look, I know there's plenty of people who have done it and made a lot of money doing it. So I, absolutely, but my God, I just think it sounds horrible.
1: Well, you know, I know it's daunting, but, you know, for many people, um, being a national... Financial expert on CBS would be daunting as well. No, yeah. mm. well, I mean it's it's you get used to it. That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I guess. It, so, okay. So, you're, is there one particular property that you think is like the best property you've ever bought?
1: Yes, I bought a little tiny. I mean, three hundred square foot condo in downtown DC mm-hmm. with hardwood floors and exposed brick walls. It is just a dollhouse. I'm going to hold that until my last dying breath, because that is going to go up and up and up over time. Now, you know, obviously, D.C. is a hot market. Uh, Any big city would offer the same. You wouldn't see the same return out in the country. Mm -hmm. And I own some properties in the country, too. Mm. And for them, you know, over 10 years, if it goes up 15,000, you're doing well. But all in all, I do believe in homeownership. And I do believe and I'm not just saying this because I'm with N.A.R. I mean, I've always believed in homeownership. I think it's a good move and it's good for your family and it's good for you. And I think that if you want to end up when you have white hair, like I do,
0: and he does have white <laughs> hair, but it's a beautiful head of white hair.
1: It really is. <laughs> but if you want to end up with either wealth or close to what you consider to be wealth, I really believe that real estate's a part of it. And, um, and it's something we understand. It's not like investing in some really exotic um, asset that you don't really know what's going on there. You know real estate. Right. And another thing that I think is a really great technique, Jill, and I think you and I may have talked about this before. If you want to become a real estate investor, one of the best ways to do it is to buy your next house, but rent out the one you're in now. Because talk about understanding your investment. You know everything about that house, from the utility bills to you know, what that knock is in the radiator in the middle of the night. And so that is one of the safest and most conventional ways to invest, rent out that place, and then buy your next house. And before you know it, you might have three or four. Okay, now let, let's get
0: back to the market as, as it stands right now. I mean, you've been around this business for a while, and when we hear things like bidding wars or low inventory, I think people start to get nervous that we're back you know, a decade ago in the boom. How is this different than where we were 10 years ago?
1: The difference is, lenders are not saying to buyers, "Hey, you want a mortgage? Don't worry about the numbers." Okay. They can't say that anymore. Okay,
0: so it's it is so the the lending industry has fundamentally changed in the
1: last ten years, right? Exactly. It's tighter, and if you can get a mortgage in today's world, you know you can afford it because they're not taking risks anymore. If
0: you look at uh, where the market is in terms of buyers right now. What are some mistakes that buyers need to avoid?
1: In today's market, I think the first mistake, and this is going to sound funny, is giving up. Mm. Thinking they need 20% of the down payment to buy a house. They don't. You yeah, get, but it's safer. It is safer. Right. So, I mean, if they know that, if they know that they can get in with a good, solid, safe down mortgage, but they decide it's safer to do 20, then good for them. That's good thinking. But I want to try to tell everyone you just don't need the 20%. Okay.
0: I'm going to push back because I'm going to tell you that I know you can get a loan from an FHA loan with as little as 3% down. I get that. I just don't think that's prudent. And I don't see why we should encourage people to do that. I don't even understand why FHA wants to do that. What's the reasoning behind that?
1: it opens the door to home ownership. For
0: so why why is it like so that's so okay. I I'm whatever. I, I mean, I like real estate. It's fine. I don't love it like you do, which is, you know, probably good because that's why you do what you do. But I don't I don't really understand why the we should be so encouraging of home ownership to the point of actually having the government subsidize people buying homes. In the form of a mortgage interest deduction, which they do, and I get to take advantage of it, but I never understood it. Like, what's the big deal? Why Why should a renter be penalized for renting versus someone who buys?
1: Well, you've just asked me uh, several questions. Yes. Let's take I, the first one, one first. Okay. Um, the government, whether we're talking about the government-sponsored enterprises, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, as well as the Federal Housing Administration, they believe... That once you get into a house, if you can comfortably afford the mortgage, you begin down the road to accumulating wealth. Mm -hmm. And then in the long run, even if you put down 3%, if you just hold that house and make your mortgage payments and don't default, then over time, you and your family will be more comfortable and more well-off and more able to withstand all the things that happen in an economy than if you didn't. And Mm -hmm. so that's, that's... I, and I believe that, too. I mean, even if you get in at 3%, the one risk, as we know, the risk of getting in low with a low-down payment is if the market falls, you're all of a sudden underwater. Whereas mm-hmm. if you have 20% mm-hmm. down and it goes down 5%, you know, you still got 15% equity. But let me just also point out one thing about the getting in without much skin in the game. Right. One of the most stable loans in America is the VA loan which is 0% down. It has one of the lowest default rates of any loan in America. And so, you know, I believe, first of all, you are absolutely correct. You've got to crunch the numbers. You've got to know exactly what you can afford. Don't wing it, but know what you can afford. And if you can, and if you want, and if it's the right thing for you, you can get in. This is Better Off with Jill Schlesinger.
0: We'll get back to our interview with Stephen Gasque about the hot housing market, but you know what? That advice, don't wing it, crunch the numbers. It doesn't just go for your real estate purchase or sale. It goes for your entire financial life. That is why I am so delighted that Betterment is our sponsor. Betterment is the largest independent online financial advisor. Betterment provides personalized advice for your financial planning needs. Don't wing it. Go to Betterment. They give you a bunch of questions. You answer them. Based on the information that you provide them, they make tailored recommendations on decisions like how much to invest, how much risk to take on in your portfolio, and the type of an investment account you should have. You talk about what's going on in your financial life. Obviously, your home is, is a big piece of that. Maybe you want to talk to a CFP or licensed financial expert. Well, you can at Betterment. You can talk to folks. Yes, investing involves risk, but when you crunch the numbers and when you are clearer about your future, you are not guaranteed success, but you are going to feel a lot better. Better Off listeners can get up to six months managed for free. For more information, visit Betterment.com slash Better Off. Betterment. Rethink what your money can do. And now back to my interview with Steve Gasquay. Do you think that if the mortgage interest deduction did not exist, that it would be a crushing blow to the real estate market?
1: I think it would... That would reduce the incentives that people have to get in. Maybe we just reduce rich people's incentives, though.
0: Do you know what I'm saying? Because think about this. The, well, that, I was just going through this in my mind. Okay. Right? Okay. So, first of all, you have to have a biggest, big enough mortgage interest deduction to itemize in the first place, right?
1: Yeah. Well, yes. It has right? to be better it has than to be the bigger standard. Than, it has to be right. bigger
0: than the standard deduction. So, that's already going to, like, lop off a lot of people who are basically middle-class homeowners whose mortgage interest is probably not going to throw them over into itemized deduction territory. Maybe. I just, okay, I'm going to put it out there, and everyone's going to write me and go (laughs) completely nuts. I think the mortgage interest deduction, a deduction that advantages me. I get a great mortgage interest deduction, okay? And I love my three and a quarter percent mortgage. Don't get me wrong. I still can't buy into, like, especially when you live in a place like uh, New York or D.C. where there's a vibrant rental market, I just don't get this idea of why we should be treating homeowners so differently than renters.
1: There's a saying in real estate, which is just awesome. Yeah. Location, is... location, location. <laughs> There's another one. Oh, okay. Which is, if you're renting, you're still paying a mortgage. It's just your landlord's mortgage.
0: That's a, okay, that's true. I, I guess that what is interesting is that in many markets still, owning a home is actually cheaper than renting. It's it's right. it's absolutely true. So that I get. Right. It's just so I know. I, I know that in every market which which is distinct and in, in and of itself like a different animal, there are pockets where it makes sense to rent and there are pockets that make sense to own. Right. I just want that I want the playing field to be leveled. So I guess.
1: Just to go back to something you said a minute ago, because being a reporter myself, I I never let the bone fall to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> with rich people. You said, why not just cancel the mortgage interest deduction for rich people?
0: Well, I know. You're going to tell me that you can't deduct more than a million dollars of interest.
1: No. What? The answer? What? They'll just pay off their house. So what? They'll just shrug and say, "Yeah, uh, good." You know, if, if I don't get the mortgage interest deduction, I'll just pay off. Good, the place. that's fine. Right, so that's what I'm that's saying. That's just it's use not of gonna, money. It's not going to add anything to the economy.
0: No, I, I don't think it's going to add to the economy at all. I'm right. just suggesting that, like, it's it's just a benefit that rich people get that that you know, essentially, for what? Right. That's all. Okay. Right. Let's go back. I'm ready. You're ready to like for your close up now. I Remember am this ready. Sense of like going toe to toe with Jill. Um What are mistakes that home sellers are making? I mean, it's a great market. So what are the mistakes that home sellers are making right now?
1: Home sellers are reading in the newspaper and seeing on television and seeing everywhere they look. It's a seller's market. And people are asking just way over price for their house, way over the value. That's a big mistake because in your neighborhood, if you have six homes for sale and you're the one who reaches for the sky, guess who's going to be the last one who sells? Mm Mm-hmm. And if you ever have to reduce the price, that's the kiss of death. Really? The buyers circle like sharks when they see a price reduction, and they think that's a desperate seller. Mm-hmm. Let's lowball him. Mm. I mean, pricing it right is first. Second, as I mentioned earlier, you've got to get your place in shape. You can't just shrug and say, hey, it's a seller's market. Yeah, to you know, luck. Are gonna yeah, right. It's got to be really good. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that sellers have to remember— Is that some of them make what I consider to be a pretty huge mistake. Of course, I am with NAR, okay? Mm -hmm. Which is they try to sell it themselves.
0: Yeah, but I agree with that. And and I've always been critical of real estate agents because, of course, you know, my mother is one. So (laughs) I could always say, but I always felt like, you know, what is it? What value do they bring? But then as a grown up, what I really see is that it is very hard to go through the process alone. And you know what else I noticed? It's like it's like the investment business. You've got to work hard to find someone you want to work with. So you can't just say like, oh, my cousin is a realtor four towns over who deals with a totally different segment of the market than I'm looking for and hire that person and expect that person to perform. Right. So I think you have to do some work. But I agree. I think going alone is crazy.
1: It is crazy. And the studies show, I mean, I don't have the latest numbers, but the last time I researched it, maybe last year or the year before, that if you try to sell your house yourself without any professional help, it sells for, on average, 18 to 22% less, including what the Realtors Commission would have been. Oh, you're kidding. Yep. So you make less money.
0: That's a great fact. I love you that. Know, Send yeah. that over to me. i got to write about that. I will. I will. All right. We did seller's mistakes, now buyer's mistakes. So obviously running the numbers. But what other mistakes are buyers making? They're just getting, they're getting frustrated. They're leaving the market. But are there some negotiation mistakes people make?
1: I think that in today's market, what you'll see is a buyer will come in never having bought a house before, and they'll load up the contract with walkaways. If you don't make this just right, I'm going to walk away. Mm. If you don't fix that drip in the sink, I'm going to walk away. If you don't um, replace the roof, I'm out of here. And they put all that in the contract – And every other contract is what in real estate circles they call a clean contract.
0: uh, Is that like as is or?
1: Not as is. But what savvy buyers are doing is they're getting the surprises out of the way ahead of the game. So they're having the home inspection done before they write the offer. Oh, that's interesting. You can do that? Yep. Oh, that's great. And if. They decide it's a good house based on that home inspection report. They come in clean as a whistle, no walkaways, no contingencies. They're ready to go.
0: Do you think that mortgage contingencies are spooking, will spook some people off these days or not?
1: Well, I think that there's two contingencies that deal with the mortgage. One, of course, is financing. And if you get, first of all, if you're a buyer in today's market, the biggest mistake you can make is not getting pre-approved for the mortgage before you walk through the front door. You've got to be pre-approved so that you're totally ready to go with the mortgage before you start looking at houses. Because it's moving too fast. If you see the most beautiful place you've ever dreamed of and you think I can afford it, I want it, I want it, I want it, and then you start the ponderous mortgage application process, that house will be not only sold, it'll probably be sold for the second time. Yeah. By the time you get around to right. it. Right. So you've got to make sure that you're ready for all this. And that's, you know, that's the thing. It's just about speed. In this market, you've got to be decisive. You've got to be ready and so those first-time buyers that i mentioned who would have all these walkaways you know the second time they try because they lost the first house yeah the second time it's a lot cleaner yeah the third time it's really clean and then they start to win
0: (laughs) then they get it right in in finishing up i just want to understand when you're looking for a realtor you know whatever in financial planning there are designations Okay. Right. We have you know, you're a certified financial planner. That means something. There's a certain amount of um, education that you have to have completed, professional ethics. That Right. So that's a standard. Right. Are there any are there any accreditations in the real estate universe that make one kind of agent stand out from another?
1: That is a great question, Jill. I'm going to start at the top. The biggest designation is to be a realtor. Because you're a member of the National Association of Realtors, and there are agents in America who don't belong. Members of the National Association of Realtors have to abide by what we call the code of ethics. It is the highest professional standard of business in the entire industry. If you're not a member of NAR, who cares? You don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two, NAR has, I believe, 20 different designations. Some of them are very big like ABR, the Accredited Buyer Representative. Those people specialize in working with buyers to help them succeed. Then you have the GRI, the Graduate of the Realtor Institute. These are really intense courses that you have to take and you have to update all the time. And then it gets down into the more specific things. There's something called EPRO, which is I know how to work with the Internet better than the average agent. And one that's going to be appropriate for all of our veterans and active duty service people is the MRP the military relocation professional that means that you know when people get the orders and they've got to close up their house and move you're the person to help them because they have the experience doing that so yes in real estate circles there are a lot of certifications and accreditations and you know i think that in our audience it depends on what your personal circumstance is. but say that you have an elderly parent you might want the uh, senior relocation services Hmm. it's 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 a wide range of specialties that kind of depend on where you live yeah but it's worthwhile checking it out
0: that's interesting And you know
1: what's also interesting is millennials are starting to ask what are your certifications
0: I love that you've <laughs> trained them
1: well yeah
0: before you leave you told us about your 300 square foot best real estate move ever now you must fess up what is your worst real estate decision you've ever made
1: the worst real estate decision that I ever made in my life, it hurts me to even think about it. When I was a kid, 22 years old, I had graduated from college the year before, and I was working in commercial real estate in Baltimore. And I lived in this beautiful old apartment building designed by the great architect Stanford White. And it was filled with little, you know, tacky apartments. The interior wasn't anything like the exterior was. And my landlord said to me, you know, I know you because you work real estate. And I was wondering, I want to sell this. Would you be interested in buying it? And I said, "Uh, sure, dude. Uh, How much? And he said, (laughs) $50,000. And I passed. (laughs)
0: Listen, we all have stories like that. I would say Mark and I always laugh because a lot of when we usually ask the question of our guests and from wide range of people, they tell funny things. But it's usually the story of I should have bought this real estate blank, this house here, this building here when I had the chance. So Stephen Gasquay, the host of Real Estate Today, the official radio show of the National Association of Realtors. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Jill, it's been my pleasure. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger.
0: Okay, it's time for the listener question of the week. If you have a financial question that's burning inside of you, just send us an email. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. You've got two chances to get on the air every week right now during our longer show, which drops on Thursdays, and then, of course, on our Tuesday Better Off bonus call of the week. So uh, just give us a shout. We'd love to get you on. Right now, we are going to Kelly in Gainesville, Florida. Kelly, welcome to Better Off. What can I do for you?
2: Hey, well, so I had a
0: question. Um,
2: Basically, I'm in this point where I have enough savings to buy a house and make an offer and be pretty comfortable. But I don't know if I have enough savings, or I should just keep on building that, um, or if I should purchase the house.
0: Okay, tell me a little bit about yourself. How old are you? Twenty-five. And um, how much do you have in savings?
2: Uh, so right now, I have uh, I have nine thousand dollars in cash. I have. Uh, uh, $7,000 in an investment account and then I have a backup fund of about $4,000 and that's kind of excluding any like checking account.
0: So when you say the, um, the $4,000, is that your emergency reserve like if something bad were to happen? is that what, Pretty much. Or is that in addition to the emergency reserve fund?
2: No, that's the emergency reserve fund. All right. yeah.
0: Okay, got it. So you've got uh, essentially $16,000 saved up. How much yeah. would it take for you to buy something you'd want to own.
2: Um, so when I've done like preliminary estimates, that I can go in um, and for nine thousand dollars, because the market here is pretty inexpensive, mm-hmm. um, with closing costs and everything, uh, for, for less than ten thousand dollars, I can get a
0: house that's very worthwhile and a nice investment. How much of a house? A couple hundred thousand? A hundred? Like what's the price?
2: A uh, hundred and a uh, hundred and forty-five thousand.
0: 150 okay. somewhere. Between okay. 150. There. Okay, great. Okay. um, And so what kind of when you say you could get into you mean, you would put, obviously be putting less than 20% down? What were you being quoted with like, Oh, I can get in for less than $10,000?
2: Yeah. Uh, so they have something called a right step mortgage that uh, a colleague of mine has also used and yep. uh, basically at 5% on uh, towards at 5% you can if you're moving into an area that is either above or below your income level, mm-hmm. um, which the houses that I'm looking at and the neighborhood I really like happens to qualify under that for me, um, then you can, uh, you can basically put 5%, but you don't have to do a lot of the PMI interest that would normally come for the life of the loan with an FHA or something like that. Uh, you no longer have to pay. Uh, so it is essentially like the benefits of having put a 20% mortgage, but you don't have to, you don't have to pay the
0: additional insurance or the additional PMI. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. So what do you do for a living, Kelly? Uh, I work for a startup. Let's say you buy this house and you can get into it with the right step mortgage and, uh, you lose your job. Mm -hmm. How are you going to pay for that?
2: Uh, well, I guess I would have to probably start to dip into the emergency fund for a bit. Um, I would probably have to find a job pretty quickly. Uh, so I would have to give myself at least like three months to find a new job.
0: I mean, okay. So this makes me a little nervous. Um, so I know that this is, uh, I think it's, uh, this is all operated through TD bank, right? And so it's, it's 3% down. Like you said, I just looked it up. No mortgage insurance. (laughs) Uh, And it's actually a new version of an existing product. I get nervous about this kind of low down payment type of product because it starts to feel eerily like the bad old days of the 2000s. So why do you feel the need to buy a house right now?
2: Um, It's more like I'm ready to kind of set down roots where I am. and. It feels like the market is really growing very quickly here, mm-hmm. um, and the houses are kind of being devoured, uh, yeah. and it's growing a lot. So uh, there's also kind of this option of the house, the because we're a college town, uh, it also feels like it'd be really easy to put the house for rent, and I could go back with my parents, things like that. Like there, there's quite a few options. Um, it feel it, but. I'm comfortable enough with the job and with the work that we're doing um, that I feel like we're growing quickly enough and I'm pretty secure in my position because I came in so early uh, that I don't I feel safe in my job and that I should probably start settling down here
0: <laughs> okay so mark says you're gonna do it whatever I say you're gonna do. you're just doing this so um, <laughs> I'm gonna just tell you that I want you to be careful um, I would try to save a little bit more than you do have because here's what I think you should think about Uh, whatever you put down on the house I want your whatever you leave outside of like the down payment I want you to have six months of living expenses including the cost of carrying the house okay so you cannot put the whole 16 grand down because four grand is not going to cut it for you so whatever you decide to do, because, again, we think you're going to do this no matter what, I want you to have six months safe reserves that can pay for all of your expenses no matter what. No matter what. Okay? okay? And so um, it is. this is not my ideal scenario for you. I would much prefer you wait to get a mortgage that is more of a traditional 20% down, 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. But I don't think you're going to do that. So I'm just going to say that I want you to be incredibly careful. I want you to really build up that cash cushion as much as you can. I don't want you to reach for a house that's too expensive. And I want you to be extraordinarily cognizant that this is the kind of behavior that often leads to kind of scary things happening i hope it doesn't happen to you so i'm going to like put my little super positive vibes out and send it down to gainesville florida right now kelly so be careful and do build up that cash cushion and i wish you the best of luck but i also wish you'd be a happier renter so There it is. I'm letting you go. I feel like a a mother.
2: uh, That's great advice. No, I I, I think everybody's been really overly positive about it. And uh, when I've, like, had conversations with other people about potentially looking at houses, they've kind of been really encouraging. So you're actually, like, I trust your advice more, and I think that's why I reached out to begin with, because I'm, like, a super saver, and (laughs) I've been really cautious about this to begin
0: with. Um, well, so I, I really I, do appreciate that. Well, good luck and be careful out there, OK? OK, thank you. All right, take care. Thanks so much to Stephen Gasquay of Real Estate Today, the weekly radio program presented by the National Association of Realtors. And thanks to you for listening. Don't forget, we've got our bonus episode that comes out on Tuesdays and the longer form every single Thursday. You can subscribe via iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Jill on Money. That's at Jill on Money. Just use the hashtag betteroff. You can also reach me via email, askjill at betteroffpodcast.com That's askjill at betteroffpodcast.com And if you wouldn't mind, please leave us a review or a rating in iTunes. It really will help us out. BetterOff is sponsored by Betterment. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark D'Alarcio produces. I'm Jill Schlesinger. See you next week.